All right. Welcome to the road to Blake Street where one of us. Nope. That's a different pod. What up, Tyler? What is going on? We finally get our full draft pod. Full full draft pod. We've been we were on the circuit, right? We were on Creasemans talking a little bit about the round day one stuff. Um, a little bit more in depth than what we did on our last pod. And now we're we're going in. You're doing behind the scenes stuff. You're writing that uh, article. We have a guest coming on in a little bit. No idea what time. So you're going to have to sit around. I literally am not teasing this. I just have no idea when he's going to show up or where we're at in our <laughs> pod. So stick around for it. You're going to love it. It is a first uh, draftee from this year's class between round three and round nine. We'll leave it at that. Uh, definitely a pitcher. So maybe, nope, that won't help you at all. That will narrow it down for you. Um, but <laughs> it should be, it should be, it should be good. So bear with us, Tyler. I just found out there is not a pause button on this. So when that guest does show up, we're going right into it. We're and going in. Okay. I, I, we'll just go in. <laughs> I'm nervous dog. Um, <laughs> but we're here. Rockies are split Astros one, one, the minor leagues are back. Fresno's hot, but we're going to get into that later. Let's talk draft. The draft is over. Are you feeling okay? Like I know you're on the tail end of your your coverage right now. I'm a little worried about your mental. Yeah, it's the motivation. You know, the pre-draft motivation is like crazy. And then that post-draft, you know, the the two days after it, you you still kind of have that drive. And then after that, you're like, I need my picks. I need more (laughs) picks. And without that, things are slower for sure. Uh, So – Grinding out that uh, the recap slowly but surely, it'll drop very soon. Uh, that's where if you, if we talk too fast, we sound stupid. Whatever, um, a written version might be somebody else's cup of tea, and we'll have that ready soon. We do it all for you. Tyler does it all for you. I'm just here and I'm just hitting the buttons, hitting submit for it all. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Um, pretty stoked about it. We signed all 21 draft picks. All 21 have signed. I believe we signed three undrafted free agents. Um, I think that was it. So I know some of the slot money was less. I know the Rockies saved quite a bit of money going through it. I'm sure that's something you'll touch on to it. But let I me, mean, we just got to get into it. We kind of gave our day one picks that we were stoked about. But who are your favorite day two picks, day three picks? I'll give him my intriguing stuff and I'll ask you the questions. But you are carrying the heavy lifting, doing the heavy lifting right now. Yeah, so day two, I, I think they hit on most of these, uh, especially early. I, I like what they did. They, Jack Mahoney in the third round, South Carolina, live arm, good secondary stuff. Um, Going to leave your guy, Isaiah Coupe, Ohio Thank State. You. I mean, Thank we you. all – I think everyone kind of loves him. Um, so there's there's a lot to like there, and, and I'll let you kind of run with that one. Kyle Karos, the Dodger kid. He's kid of Eric Karos. There's a little bit of an upside play out of college. Uh, big power. He's 6'4", I believe. Uh, the bat overall is pretty good. He, apparently, he's an athletic third baseman. Haven't dove into that too much. Um, but it's a good approach. Again, the power is, is potentially there. Cade Denton, uh, reliever nightmare. Like As a reliever, he is a nightmare for hitters. They, guys just can't hit him. He's up to 99. Um, with a with a really solid running fastball, we'll see if he sticks in the bullpen or not. That's kind of the question that that we hope to have answered at some point soon. Um, nice. My favorite though of the uh, of the the day two, Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina infielder. I don't know if I want to say he's a shortstop. I, he was 
listed as you, a shortstop. You would pick a position player. I as your favorite, you on day two, you would pick a position player. I, I have to. I am morally obligated to stick to my guns. <laughs> uh, but Braylon Wimmer is a. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll chill it on the five tool. Like that's that's a little large to to be shouting out. But fourteen homers this year, thirteen stolen bases, nine seventy OPS overall. He played a lot of shortstop. Like there's speed, there's power, and he hit pretty well this year. Uh, 30 walks, 55 K. So he's not like, you know, some premier hitter, but there's a bat that's going to play. It's a middle infield glove. He's six foot four, 200. I I just really love that all round skill set. So that's, he's going to be the guy I watch. Yeah, I'm going to be watching him the most. I'm hoping that there is your like Fresno Grizzlies 2024. Second baseman on opening day. I'm, I'm hoping that that's Braylon Wimmer and that we get to watch him just continue to ball out. So, I mean, let's. I'm going to ask you, and we're going to do it. Are we comparing him to, to Ryan Ritter? So, Ryan Ritter, we know his story. He's absolutely crushed Cali League. Bat, uh, glove first, shortstop. Bat came around this year in Cali League. It's now in Spokane. What, what are, I hate comparing, but we're going to compare for so we have a baseline of what to expect next year as not supposedly the player to player but like what could we kind of expect um from Wimmer coming into next year yeah I think the Ritter comp is fair from like an overall standpoint like what are you going to get from this guy overall uh not quite as good with the glove but in college was a much Wimmer has been way more productive he is also a year older Ritter was one of those guys who as a junior he's like I'm I'm out of here uh Wimmer played four years in in college but I think he's a lot more polished with the bat. And it, it's crazy because Ritter hit the ground running. Ritter made some adjustments that, you know, I could not tell you exactly what those were. Did not um, really get to watch him in, in Fresno and, and didn't see a ton of tape uh, with Kentucky. But he hit the ground running somehow. So it, it sets the bar high for Wimmer. But from an overall production standpoint, I think that this is kind of your Ryan Ritter of the draft, someone that you don't have to expect a lot from based on the draft position. And um, in Ritter's case, draft position was pretty high, but it was like, can this guy even hit? Um, So the expectations going in are going to be about the same, but I think the, the outcomes are going to be not too far off. So I think Wimmer will be one who gets to Spokane. Like if that, that's another part of the comp, I think he'll hit Spokane pretty fast. Um, yeah, especially as a, he'll be 23, you know, with, with opening day next year. So should not be long for, for the lower minors. And am I, 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 yeah, I love that. Um, but this is our last year of COVID drafts, right? COVID affected drafts. So like we have Braylon Wimmer's 23 years old as a third year senior, fourth year senior, whatever. That's not the normal age for draft guys being drafted. So like, am I correct in saying like, this is the last covid and affected draft i mean for the most part yeah because he's a guy who came in as a true freshman in 2020 covid was a pain in the ass for all these guys so it it definitely impacted the development of of the guys this year at least there were some guys this year those 22 year olds they were a they were underclassmen when covid hit so you're now looking at there's going to be some guys who are drafted and and sign as undrafted free agents next year who were still part of that but at least in Overall. terms of that that COVID redshirt year, blah, 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 like that is is kind of past us. That doesn't impact baseball as much as you think about, like, you know, basketball yeah. and all that. But, it, yeah, it, you, you're on that, that 
hopefully we get just more development out of these guys from an earlier age. They don't have to have a year that was missed. Um, so that will it'll be interesting to see how that affects the the upcoming drafts. Yeah, I just I've noticed a lot of a lot of discourse, a lot of banter, like that they're 24, 25, blah, blah, blah. But like, we also have to keep in mind that everybody's older with this draft and just being old in the system and that kind of stuff. It's just part of what it is right now. But I think we get back to what it used to be age wise and stuff coming, going forward. Um, my guy, like, yeah, like you said, Isaiah Cop- Cope, you're saying Cope. I'm saying Copet. Uh, Cope is probably correct. Um, I'm really intrigued by him. I, I think that's why I'm most, he's kind of my day two pick just because I want to see how this big spin thing works. Like that was the big thing with Jackson Cox, Uh big spin can just, he can throw 95, but he also has a big spin with it. And he's doing all right in Cali. He's on the IL, uh, which sucks. And we'll see how, what comes from that. But I just, I want to see what this does going forward and how we can maybe change the minds of the front office when it comes to pitching. Like sure. The, the Rockies drafted 14 of 22 pitchers. However, they are all different types of pitchers. Like we have hard righties, hard, soft tossing righties. We have big spin rates. We have lefties that are Kyle Freeland-esque, but then we have guys that are pushing mid-90s from the left side. So like it's very diverse in that, and I'm really intrigued by how this all plays, and Copay is definitely the biggest one that I'm most intrigued by. Coming from an injured 2022 season, only, um, only what, 10 10 starts in 11 games that 2022 season. Um, but came back this year, 98 punch outs. Nope. I have that backwards this year. He was injury plagued last year. He had 98 punch outs, which was like 14th most in all of Ohio state program history. Uh, hit that spin rate is up to 3000 Gomber sits at 2,500. If you want to put that in perspective, um, I believe 3000 is where Jackson Cox is around too. I think he's maybe high two thousands. Uh, it's just, I'm just really excited to see how this plays out. You're you're going 90, low 90s in the fastball, but can hit mid 90s with it, and then you're coming with this big spin deuce, which is just going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and he was getting that fastball a little decimated by Rockies fans. The reaction was like, his fastball is not good, blah blah blah. And yeah, didn't you know? I posted the the OPS. I think it was like an eight sixty nine overall, or no, I think it was higher than that uh, overall against the fastball. But down in the zone, it played way better. And you look at his 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 slot. You know, he's a little bit more over the top. Um, I think he gets on top of the ball more just naturally with with the way he's you know slinging it, and it creates more of that downward slope. And that's what you. I think why you see his breaking balls be you know, so freaky, like a, the spin rate, but also he's really topping them. And with that fastball, it's, it's meant to go boom that way. Um, mm-hmm. And and it, when he threw it down in the zone where that shape was really being maximized, it was a lot more effective. So I think the Rockies, they love to have guys throw fastballs down in the zone. I think an interesting thing though, this year, they drafted a lot of guys whose fastballs play up in the zone. So maybe they're like, we do need to change the looks a little bit, but with coupe, um, it's a fastball that can play down in the zone. He didn't throw it there a ton uh, this year. And, and that's one of those things. College coaching staffs are not always on top of things like that. Um, you know, they kind of want to do what they want to do. And, and there's certain issues that arise like that. So if he throws his fastball down a lot more, those breaking balls, I mean, they're just filthy that if his fastball's not getting hit, like he will play 
uh, you know, out of the rotation. So he he's my favorite prospect that was taken. Uh, I mean, maybe relative to position, you know, in the draft. Uh, on day two, though, for sure, my favorite prospect. You know, we're mm-hmm. in, we're in cahoots on that. Yeah, I, yeah, big. Not a very big guy, six one one ninety. So it'll be interesting how he kind of thickens up and goes forward with that. Uh, I'm very curious about Seth Halverson, uh, Tennessee uh, Dollander's teammate up in Tennessee. I recognize that name, but I didn't watch a lot of Tennessee baseball, and I don't know why. But what do we? What can? What does Seth bring from the table with that right hand arm? Yeah, I mean he's a he's a gunner. I would I would just that's how I like to think about it. Um, you know, he's shooting bullets out there on the mound, and I think he was up to 101. I am, I'm confirming that right now. Yeah, it was consistently upper 90s. Yeah, average 95.8, touched 101, yep. um, and hit 100 on, on a lot of occasions. So he's a guy who can can really, you know, rack up the velo. That's that's the main selling point. I mean, I don't think it's a, it's super exciting. Otherwise, it's a, it's a decent changeup. It's, um, you know, an okay slider. Both of those are, are – maybe average pitches, but that fastball and the fastball didn't produce really well this year. But again, when you're, when you're averaging 96 and you're topping at a hundred with consistency, like you will play. And yeah. and that's really what you're getting. I, a lot of people love to, when, when the draft's going on, you see a guy who's at fastball average is like 92 and people are like, why would you ever take a guy like that? I think, you know, sitting 92 makes you in like the 80th percentile of college pitchers. Like most guys in college are not throwing, 93 94 right. with consistency. Nine, I would say 90 is average. Like to average 90 miles per hour is average for college players. For draft picks, of course, a lot of these guys are throwing 93, 94, but to average 96, that is, I mean, probably top 15, top 25, somewhere in that range for these draft picks. Like it is, it's gonna be one of the higher marks. So he he's slinging it. Um Again, there's there's room for for some stuff to happen on on the negative side, just because there's not a ton that stands out, but that fastball velo does not grow on trees, right? And you're seeing that with Michael Peterson, who's went out with the Albuquerque Isotopes, who's got that big fastball, and you don't Rockies don't have that beyond Michael Peterson. I don't know who's really coming out, possibly topping at 100 anymore in the bullpen um so that's gonna be fun to watch that's got to be why i recognize his name the just the triple digit guy that pitched in pitched in tennessee is why that name pops up uh i had oh to, and to that point 92 looks different from arm to arm so i was at yeah. i went to south bend today um with james and watched the cubs pitcher there was a lefty with an erratic uh motion he was throwing 90 91 92 and his stuff looked faster than the starter before him, who was very traditional and smooth with it, who was piping 94, 95. And we like looked at each other like, how is that five miles per hour less? But I think it was the movement, the the way it was being thrown, and because the the 95, it was pretty straight. It was pretty it's pretty flat. It wasn't a lot of movement. But that lefty that was coming in throwing 90, 91 had some movement on that fastball. So there is a little bit more to it than just velo adding to like what you're saying. Like, yeah, sure. The average college is hitting the 88 percentile, whatever is 92 or higher. Uh, they're just built different. And you can see that if you just watch enough baseball, you'll see that 95 from Herman is not the same as 95 from Justin Lawrence, for example, it's just not the same. Yeah. And it comes down to just the frame. Like some guys, 
Uh, like I know Shane McClanahan is someone who really comes to mind. I think he's one of the guys who gets the furthest to the plate at, with his release point, like his extension. Uh, you know, he's, I think, 94 to 96, but it probably looks like 100 to hitters. Right. Um, and so a lot of it comes down to that, too. So Velo on its on its own, Velo is like a, an eye catcher, but like there's so yeah, there's so much more to it. So the Rockies have plans for these guys. We all love to kind of paint them in negative light. <laughs> You know, we're, we're perpetrators of that. They do have plans for these guys. Like, they're an MLB organization. These coaches that they have in the system have been around baseball for decades. Like, they have a plan. They see things. They they kind of know how to fix some stuff. Um, you know, not everything's going to work out. But I think Seth Halverson, yeah, big upside there because of that fastball heat. That is – you just don't find that too often. I love that. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. Actually, I had two questions. So, Ben McCabe. Uh, catcher first base outfielder. So we did what we did in the third round um, with uh, nope, the <laughs> compensation pick with carriage, but we did it again in the ninth. Why? Uh, what's kind of the plan with McCabe? How is that different than carriage? I know McCabe brings a little bit more defensively catching wise. I think I have that right. Um, but carriage is more of an athlete, but are the Rockies onto this whole versatility thing? Like Dalton Varsho all over everywhere. Like, <laughs> Explain I mean, that I, to me. I really, I think McCabe is another Hunter Goodman. Like, I think it's nearly identical skill set. Like, uh, McCabe might be t- like a touch better defensively. I haven't, you know, I didn't really dive into the defensive catching numbers of Hunter Goodman. Um, but McCabe, it's it's power and enough athleticism to hang in a corner outfield spot. So, I think that's his future home. You know, maybe some first base because they didn't get a ton of bats. So there's you know, going to be a spot at first base in, in some of these levels uh, that, that he could fill. So I think it's a Hunter Goodman profile with, with you know, Cole Carrig. Like, he, I think, there, yeah, there's catching upside there because with a guy like McCabe, the athleticism might limit him from being like a, a MLB-level catcher. Um, Carrig could be a plus defensive catcher because of how – Headed backwards. You know, yeah. laterally, laterally quick he could become – um, as a catcher. Well, he already is that quick, but to have that translate to his game and the arm, I think McCabe has a, has a big arm, but when I had timed some of his pop times, it was a pretty slow exchange um, and stuff like that. But the arm, he does have a strong arm. So I think that's another reason why he could play well in the outfield. But Ben McCabe is basically Hunter Goodman 2.0. And if it worked with Goodman, uh, you know, this really aggressive guy doesn't make a ton of contact, but like when he does, that thing is going to be rocketed. Uh, if it worked out there, it's worth taking a shot on a guy like Ben McCabe in the ninth round who easily could be that next 25, 30 home run guy in the minor leagues. Um, and then hopefully, you know, it keeps, keeps on going. Okay. So expecting more dongs from Ben McCabe. Okay. But yeah, I just, I saw the, the versatility there and I, I had to ask. Um, and then the remiss question I would do, go big red. Uh, we got a Husker, <laughs> Husker in the system. Uh, Jace Kaminska. Right-hand pitcher. I'm a huge fan of Go Big Red and all, but it's very hard for me to watch Big Ten baseball um, up here. And I didn't get to see a lot of Huskers. There were a lot of Huskers drafted. Uh, there was a guy, second round, went to the middle infielder, went to Detroit. So I get I get a little bit of love there, and I get a little bit of love over here. But who is Jace Kaminska, and why am I stoked about him? Not just being alum, but what's going on here? You know, I think he's... And I don't think he's his ceiling is is necessarily going to be a fifth starter, but it is like that kind of profile 
Like okay. it's the guy with a, a low, low mid nineties fastball. I think he averaged 92 with it. Um, he brings four pitches. Like he can throw a, a changeup. He can throw the slider. He can throw the curveball. None of it particularly stands out, but you know, you look at the guys that were the undrafted free agents and it's not, you know, it's not that it's a tick above for Kaminska. And so I, I think there is, there's totally big league upside with Kaminska, um, but he throws a lot of strikes, good command. He, you know, he's a mature pitcher. Um, just none of those secondaries stand out and the fastball is, is average at best, but it, it's just, again, one of those where like nothing is weak. It is a lot of things that are okay. And I think those are the profiles you usually see do fine in the minors. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get the double A I'm thinking, and that's where we'll really get his, his colors tested. We'll see if he's running red, um, in, nice. in Hartford. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Got it. Had to do it to him. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and but, he's a 10th round arm. He's a 10th round arm, and if you get anything from 10th round plus, especially as a starter, it's a win. And a lot of these round 10 arms, like you see so many relievers, especially for the Rockies, like late late round draft picks making their way to Coors. But Kaminska, definitely looking at stuff, is going to profile as a starter pitching, maybe a long reliever going forward. Yeah. Okay. And something I want to include also because people see the draft range number. And this is I don't want to talk down on Kaminska, but I do want to say a round 10 pick, round nine and round 10, those are actually some of the lower guys on the board for teams because those are the final rounds you can actually save money on your on your pool. Ah. You can spread that money out. So those are those last guys teams are trying to fit in bargains, fit in discounts. And when you look at you know, Ben McCabe was the ninth rounder. Jace Kaminska, the tenth rounder, uh, both signed for one hundred fifty thousand. That is the value of the all the day three slots are all one hundred fifty k. Doesn't count against the pool. Uh, these were basically priority day three guys, um, but again, they saved money with them, which is is sort of the the key there. Um, but when you look at the rounds nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, you know, it's all kind of one and the same. And and for rounds nine and ten, teams are are definitely looking to save money there. So just something yeah. I, I, the system is always crazy. There's always something new I'm learning. So I, I think that's an important thing just for people to, to consider, especially when you look at other teams classes, because the Rockies do have a, you know, they don't draft like everybody else. Um, if you look at other teams, most ninth, 10th round picks, they're going to be way under slot. Um, just something to keep in mind. Right. Yeah. And just put it in perspective, Brad Cumbest was drafted in the ninth round last year. Have yet to see him. He was on the 60 day IL um, last time I saw. And the 10th round, round pick was Zach Agnos, the two way player, but drafted as a right hand pitcher who leads the Cali League or at least the Fresno Grizzlies in saves um, down there. Uh, but counter to your point, Tyler, both of them signed, Cumbest signed at slot value and Agnos signed for 12,000 more. So. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, looking at the, what the Rockies did, they saved money like across the board. But I that makes sense. Like you're you're looking for value day three stuff coming in on day two. All right, uh, day two. I think we covered it. Your guys, Kate Denton, Braylon Wim Wimmer. I'm really big on Copay. Just excited mm -hmm. to see what they have, and maybe there's a um, gym in the woods. Just made that cliche up. And Ben McCabe there with a the big pop. So we'll see how if we get another. Uh, maybe it's your maybe it's your dad's girlfriend's favorite player. <laughs> uh, ben McCabe. If you know, you know. All right. Day three. Uh, day three, the 10 picks. Day three is always quick. I, I was very impressed by how quickly you were putting out that the numbers, the data um, when you're doing the live tweeting on, on the BSB account. Uh, so huge props to you. But day three, uh, 
We have names like Bryson Hammer. We have Cannon Handy, Yanzel Correa. Just fun names. Hunter Man. It's like Hunter Goodman. The man. But, but we have Hunter man. man. And so just we got a stew, the third. <laughs> so like we got a, a stew back. What you have a bunch of names, a lot of lot of arms, uh, another catcher. Who's who's your who's your guy on day three? So like the the number one, I mean, I'm saving my number one guy again for you because this is someone that you're you love, another lefty. But my one B is Aiden Longwell from Kent State, first baseman. This was the pick I was waiting for. Uh, you know, you know me. I was looking for those hitters. Aiden Longwell <laughs> was finally that guy. Uh, this season, a 404 batting average, 27 walks to 23 Ks, and he hit 10 homers. Uh, you know, he's a first baseman, so it's not like, oh, you're getting some guy who's hitting like crazy and he's going to play the outfield and he's going to get a bunch of steals. Like, yeah, there's limitations to this, but it's a really good bet. And it's like, that's that's all I wanted. That was that was truly like my most joyful moment of the week was Aiden Longwell getting drafted out of Kent State. I think he profiles as a really quick mover, um, as someone who's going to probably hit Fresno, high 300s on base percentage, hit a few homers. You know, the ceiling isn't that high, but it is a bat that will play. And and that was something I was really, really looking for. The other guy I do need to give some love to is Darius Perry, catcher from UCLA. You'll see his numbers and be like, why did the – I'm going to – I got to pull him so I say him exactly. Um, you're going to look at his numbers and you're going to be like, why did the Rockies just draft a catcher with a 744 OPS? Like, can we just, you know, get somebody else? Darius Perry is like a next-level defensive player. Like, it was a ridiculous caught stealing rate. Like, it's a plus defensive catcher. Uh, anything he does with the bat is going to be a bonus at this point. I mean, he might step in and be the best base, you know, base stealing manager. I never know how, like, what phrase to properly say that. Base stealing <laughs> manager is what I'm going to roll with right now. He is the best base stealing manager, I think, in the system, you know, below below the majors. Um, like, it's it's nuts. I think it was, I think it was 35% caught stealing percentage like that is amazing uh most of these guys in college they'll be lucky to snag 20 of them 40 43 percent 43 oh my gosh yeah, yeah see that is nuts and and watch it wasn't just a numbers thing it's like it i watched this guy his pop times were anywhere from like 183 to 195 and that yeah. is a really elite range i think the best pop time you will see is like 182 um, that like that's an average. Like JT Real Muto is a freak that that's his average pop time. It, it looks like Darius Perry though is gonna run probably a one eight nine one nine pop time. That's above average for MLB already, um, yeah. and that's to assume he doesn't really improve that much. So again, if he hits at all, like that is gonna be a solid backup catcher. I think that was a great pick. At first, I was like another catcher. Like we drafted basically <laughs> three guys a catcher. You kind of sift through it, and it's like, well, Cole Carrick's not a traditional catcher. Ben McCabe probably isn't a catcher. Oh, and Darius Perry is like a mind-blowingly good defensive catcher. So had to give him some love because I don't think he's going to get it anywhere else as a guy right. who, who did not crush uh, in the Pac-12. So Darius Perry, big dude, um, you know, fr from the defensive standpoint. And I'll, I'll turn it to you for, for my 1A because I think that was <laughs> one of the best picks of the draft for the Rockies. I'll touch base on it, and then you can just add your Tyler Flair to it. I don't know if you mentioned it, but Perry only had four pass balls allowed last year. So just another D 
defensive thing yeah, there. It's, it's just pretty nutty. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And the Rockies seem to know catchers. I, they had drafted Fulford in the 11th round last year, and he's in, already in double A, struggling with the bat, but his defense skills is right there. You got Drew Romo. Um, Huff has looked pretty solid in, down in Fresno, uh, doing what he needs to. Uh, Ronica Palma. Actually, he just got married this past week at the All-Star yeah. break. So <laughs> huge props to love, love, love here. So Palma, congrats. Uh, but they they seem to kind of know what catchers are. Willie Mack, he, pitchers love throwing to Willie Mack and calls a good game, has some pop in that bat. So they, the Rockies kind of do know catchers. They don't have any catchers <laughs> at the MLB level, <laughs> but they kind of are. They're figuring it out. It's, uh, it's been kind of fun to see. Yeah, my guy. My guy is uh, the Hammer, right? Um, blanking on his first name right here. Um, Bryson. Bryson. Bryson Hammer, yeah. left-hand pitcher out of Dallas Baptist. Just his story is really cool. I would love to have him on a banter session. Uh, but just tops at 96, big curve from the left. Um, 25 walks compared to 20 hits uh, during 2021 summer ball, which I thought was interesting. 30 walks and 45 innings last season. So a little worried about that control there with all of that. Um, but the stuff is there. If you're again, diverse pitchers, what the Rockies have been loving this draft. Um, and then he has a change up in there as well. Uh, 116 strikeouts last year, second in the region. Uh, but he started at Clemson. Then he went to a Juco for a few years. And then that's where he had the 116 strikeouts at a Juco, right? Whatever. But then went ended up at DBU Dallas Baptist last year and uh, where he gets dra- drafted in the year with two outings of one inning pitch, zero runs this year. Um, I'll let you kind of go more in depth of it, but just a big lefty. The control issues do con- concern me because that's usually something that doesn't get really figured out as you go forward. Uh, so kind of seeing, wondering how that works, but maybe you're going to drop some nut- nuggets on me with the curveball. Is that missing or are we looking at basketball command or do the Rockies have something in the, in the, um, the, the windup that we're looking at. So hammer. Yeah. Hey. I haven't dug too deep into, into the mechanics and stuff yet, but just seeing he, he kind of sprayed everything a little bit all around. Like it was every pitch was, was kind of on the fringes uh, in terms of the command. So I think, it's going to come with some repetition. There's probably a, you know, a tweak that can be made at the, at the complex or in instructionals in the fall. Um, so I, I would be on the lookout for that because it's a clean enough delivery and he looks athletic. Uh, those are the main things you got to look for. Some things, you know, we, we always, I think hell Chris Olivares is such a great lesson because it's like the cleanest yeah. delivery ever. And he could not throw strikes uh, with consistency. So you never know, but Bryson hammer, it's an athletic delivery. And, and what you're really getting is a, mid 90s fastball from the left side average 93 uh and the changeup the changeup is actually i think his best pitch uh it got a 51% whiff rate this year and it kind of has some splittery movement to it it's it's got okay. some steep drop to it uh averaging 83 and then that curveball i mean I, I think i i included it in the tweet he lives up to the last name of hammer like it is a it's a it's up there with Isaiah Coupe and that his curveball being just kind of gross uh, you know, ton of break. That's exactly what you're getting with Bryson Hammer. Um, you know, a lot of vertical break on the curveball. I think that both the changeup and the curveball could be plus pitches, and you don't see that from lefties too often, especially lefties in, in Hammer's case, who's averaging 93. We look at Austin Gomber. He's a name that's thrown around constantly uh, in the Rockies community, and it's like, well, what if this guy's like Austin Gomber? Austin Gomber, some starts is sitting 89 to 91. 
Again, Bryson Hammer is averaging 93, so he's basically sitting 92, 94 most most outings. Um, I don't know if he's a starter. Right? You know, we, we got to see with Isaiah Coupe is like, oh, this kid, a lot of great stuff, and he's going to start. Hammer, I think, I think it's just a focus him on a, on the bullpen role and just hope you get a, a lefty ace out of the pen. Like that shutdown guy, you don't see those too often, the left-handed relievers that just do work. So this is this really is a guy to, to keep an eye out. It's like, why are, why are they talking about a 12th-round pick so much? You know, the stuff is a lot better than your average 12th-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a $200,000 bonus as well. That is the equivalent more of an 8th-round pick. So you got to definitely have to think in those terms. Like, this is a guy who, who probably could have gotten drafted a little bit higher but you know when teams are like, hey, what about Hammer to to him and his you know his team? They're like, hey, we've got two hundred thousand. Like you know, you're not taking us for one hundred fifty thousand. Um, so he he's a good dude uh, when it when it comes to this. Kind of like my Bryce McGowan. We got to see that uh, <laughs> yeah. from a couple of years ago. Signed over slot because he's good. <laughs> and and I think you're seeing that with Hammer. Really nice stuff. I'm I'm so uh, he's probably the guy I'm most excited to watch just because again it's a twelfth rounder. If he hits. Like, you know, if that's a a hit, like, that's going to look really, really good for the Rockies. Yeah, I mean, all in all, um, I'd be remiss. Again, we have about five minutes before our guest shows up. So I want to talk about, so they didn't draft any high school players, technically, but they have two young guys they drafted at the end of the the draft in Troy Butler and Yenzel Correa. Um, Both, so Correa is only 18, played at, what international baseball academy who is like a is it a school that plays against college teams i don't know he's out of puerto rico i'm, I'm not, not sure, like, sure yeah it's it's a very unique school like i don't know it's not college but it might be high school or i don't know um only 18 bit uh an arm 18th round and then troy butler a 20 20 year old out of a new york community college so they didn't draft any high school players but they have some high school quote unquote age guys what do you know about Butler and Yenzel Correa? You know, definitely not a lot because you look at Correa, he's coming from, again, the International Baseball Academy, which I think is in Puerto Rico. Um, you know, there that's where a lot of those guys who, who maybe want to go stateside and, and well, they are, it, it's it's so weird talking about Puerto Rico. Like, is it in the United, it is in the United States technically, but, you know, you think about going, you know, these guys going stateside. Um there, those guys kind of train there. Um, I don't know the full demographic of that, but Correa, from what I've seen, I think he's he touched 89 in a showcase event last year, so he's probably you know low 90s right now. Uh, looks like he has a good feel for the breaking ball from a video that we've seen. Just again, not a ton to go off of, but he's 18 and a half years old. Um, you got to just gamble on the upside. It's a it's a pretty good frame. What I kind of noticed watching him is it looks like he has long arms, which that's not something that you can change about a guy. Um, and, and it can play to that extension. Like we talked about earlier, a 90 mile an hour fastball can play up if you're getting further towards the plate. Um, and then with, uh, Troy Butler, he's coming out of a New York community college. You don't see that very often. And and for that reason, there's not that much info on him. And I forget where he, I think it was UNC Charlotte maybe is where he was committed to. And, And if that is the case, that's where we got our boy Bryce McGowan from, um, speaking of. But again, he's 20 years old. I think we have seen he was into he could touch mid 90s. So you're 20 years old. You're touching mid 90s. It's the 20th round. So but I I just love them getting these these younger guys. That's not something that 
the Rockies really prioritize, especially not in the late rounds. And youth equates to upside. Like that is that is what youth is. It's more time um, to learn, potentially less injuries, uh, especially early on in the career. A lot to learn. So so that's just exciting to see them change their demographics a little bit. Just finally getting something new uh, in the system. That's the biggest thing I'm taking away from this draft is they did something different. They really, they seem to have a plan to just add different types of players and particularly arms to the system, uh, which maybe they're seeing something. They're finally getting off this fastball slider type pitcher to work in Coors and trying to do something else going forward. That was that was the most fun thing that I noticed about this draft, and I didn't really notice that last year. Last year was a fantastic draft. Like you look at that list, like there's some names on it. You go back to 2021, it was a solid draft. I did that Twitter thread on where are they now, and a lot of those guys are still in the system and they're still doing work. Uh, but this one just seemed very unique, very different, and very planned out. And which, sorry if you're listening, I'm giving credit to the Rockies, but. It seemed, it seemed to go that way, and I, I feel really good about it. Yeah, and I think something I, I keep forgetting to mention on these things is you look at what the Rays did, and I, I almost forget if I mentioned it or not because it's, it's something that's been on the top of my mind quite a bit, um, and we've had two – well, we've really only had one chance to talk about it on the Creaseman pod, so I'm not sure I have. You saw what the Rays have always done. They collect arm slots. I'm trying to get my hand in here. They collect arm slots – they go both sides. You know, you got your lefties over here. Yeah. You got your righties over here. They got a lot of different arm slots. Um, and like you're saying, a lot of different arsenals too and just ways that guys are working. That is, I think, what makes a successful pitching staff is having the diversity, especially in those looks. Again, the arm slot. Like if you're seeing this every single time as a hitter from the exact same slot, you're going to be able to read it a little bit better. And, mm-hmm. and plenty of teams, and I think the Rockies are probably big culprits of this, they end up throwing guys that are coming from a really similar slot. Like, that's your starter, that's your reliever, boom, boom, boom. And I think that's part of why Kyle Freeland uh, finds a lot of success is because he comes, a, he drops his, his whole body a little bit, uh, you know, gets that lower three-quarter slot. He can kind of manipulate his arm slot a little bit too. So guys like that are going to find some success just because – it's it's not the you know bullpen pitcher is is going high high three quarters almost over the the over slot kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They got different looks and that is going to have an impact. Yeah, that's I love that you brought that to the table. That's it's very that's interesting and probably going to watch that. I was actually talking about that with James today when I we were at South Bend. Is how back in high school we we had one guy he was our guy that went D one he'd pipe eighty nine ninety nasty curveball and then we'd bring in james who <laughs> at the time was throwing 70 at the highest and he has that funky <laughs> arm spot he had the funky curveball slider things that moved that just kind of dropped because it wasn't going fast enough to get across the plate but pitchers couldn't hit him after seeing what the other guy in front of him was doing it's like you're going 89 to a 70 with movement and it's just it was hard and it worked fantastic and whatever our coaches saw at that time it worked well at, for them. So there is something to that. And granted, Legion ball is way different than professional ball, but there's, it's still baseball and there's still, you got to play not just the stuff, but you got to play. How do you use the stuff to the best of your ability? That analytics, that laundry department type stuff that 
needs to be considered. And it seems the Rockies are kind of doing that right now. Uh, it's, it's good. I looked up this Puerto Rico baseball academy in high school. So it literally is a school in Puerto Rico that develops kids for baseball, but gives them a high school education while doing it. So like a lot of these kids are looking for baseball scholarships across the United States um, and then getting, getting to the draft or whatever, while also getting their high school uh, education, which is very, very cool. <laughs> they should, yeah, they do that. The Catholic schools do that with basketball here with their recruiting. Sorry. Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, not not quite the same, but IMG Academy, you think of that. And there's there's a bunch of them now, these schools that really prioritize athletics and then academics are, are just like a, a bonus in a way. So it's good to see, you know, the Rockies dipping into a demographic like that. And I think Correa, we, what we've seen is, is intriguing. So shout out International Baseball Academy in Puerto Rico. Um, was not too familiar with that whole kind of system going on. Um, cause you don't even see the, the United States versions of those like IMG again, they're not, you know, listing them as, Oh, this is a sports Academy, even though it is. So it's, yeah. it's cool to see that. Yeah. Love to see it. And you know what else I love to see is our guest Cade Denton. Hello. Hello. Welcome aboard. How you doing? I'm good. How about you guys? We're good. We, we just right. got Thanks done. For us. Yeah. No thank you. We just got done talking about you and all of your, uh, 21 new closest friends. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's your take on the Rockies draft? I mean, I like it. I've, I've got to meet a lot of these guys, be around them for a few days. Um, everybody's amazing. Like uh, you sit around and you kind of wonder what the, what the group's going to be like and you see their skill in college and stuff like that. But obviously getting to know them as people is the, the perspective I get to see on it. So um, a lot of great guys. And obviously I know there's a lot of talent too. So I think it was a, a good draft on their part. Yeah, and yeah. some we were interested in because, you know, baseball is one of those crazy things in life where you you know someone when you're 13, 14 years old and you cross paths again five years later. Was there anything sort of like that, like anyone on, on this draft class that you knew personally, um, whether it was just as a competitor or someone that you actually got to know off the field a little bit before the draft? Yeah, so ironically, um, one of the free agent signings is actually my roommate, Braden Carmichael. He pitched at uh, Oklahoma, and we both played for the same travel organization back a few years. He was a few years older than me, but uh, we both grew up in the same area, played for the same travel ball team, and then he pitched against us uh, in a lot of the midweeks that we played against them. So uh, he's my roommate now, and uh, we're catch partners, so um, I guess that all worked out in that way. Just full circle there. Yeah, Absolutely. But what up, Braden? How you doing? Um, <laughs> that's awesome. That just, yeah, full circle moment right there. Uh, what is, what have you been down in Arizona this week? You were telling me your days are pretty, pretty booked throughout the day. What is this like first week? Welcome to Colorado, but in Arizona really been like for you? Yeah. I mean, we, we got here on Saturday, uh, did physical Sunday, um, you know, did a, we've been having a lot of meetings recently, uh, meeting with all the staff, making sure that we know everybody, uh, making sure that they know all of us. Uh, they've done their research on all of us, so they know us all pretty well. And uh, I guess it's just getting to know them now. They're telling us about the program, what the plans are, um, how everything's going to work around there. And, uh, man, it's been enjoyable. We've got a few days of work in now. We played catch, did some drills and stuff like that the past few days. But, uh I mean, lots of meetings, lots of getting to know people, uh, lots of information to take in. But, 
it's been it's been pretty good so far. But so speaking of plans, you know, you now enter pro ball, you got this kind of grind ahead of you. Where do you feel like you have the most room to improve? Because I think this whole last week we've heard Cade Denton. There's a lot of really positive things to say. I think at this point, everybody knows what you're bringing to the table. What are you hoping to eventually bring to the table and, and improve on? I mean, I think the third pitch, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, I was mainly a two-pitch guy in college uh, through splitters slash change-ups like 21 times on the year. So wasn't a pitch that I necessarily needed to throw. Um, I mean, two pitches worked really well for me. And I think going into the next level, at least, um, whether it be out of the bullpen or whether it be as a starter, I think the third pitch is a key factor to a lot of success for a lot of guys. And I think that includes me. Uh, I know my, my other two pitches are good, but these guys are really good that I'm going to be facing over the next few years. And uh, I think just that third pitch is something, especially with the, the pitch design and development and video and all this analytical stuff that I think I can get into. And I think it's something that can improve my game uh, and can improve my knowledge of the game as well, too. Which what third pitch are you wanting to add? Uh, I mean, I, as of like midway through the college season, uh, I transferred from like the splitter or from the changeup to the splitter. Okay. Um, so that was the primary third pitch that I was throwing most of the year. Going into the playoffs, I threw it more than I did pri- uh, prior, just because it. Some guys needed a different look, and you know a lot of these guys had seen fastball slider, and you can kind of fifty fifty chance it sometimes, and. That third pitch was something that helped me out um, to at least get a, a new look to these guys, whether or not they swung at it or not. But it's been a pitch that has been successful. Um, I don't think any hits got hit off of it out of the 21 times that I ended up throwing it on the year. But, um, you know, I think it's something that I can definitely add to the arsenal and help me out a lot in the future. Yeah. Well, and so I got to throw this out there because, yeah, I'm, I threw 21 change-up slash split on the season. You know how many swings and misses that you got on that pitch? Uh, I'd say it's probably like maybe 10, 8, 9, 10 maybe. So maybe a little less. Yeah, you got you got four, but you only got six swings on it the whole year. So four out of six yeah. times they just whiffed that thing. So yeah. it's a promising start. Um, so, yeah, so we like to use it. That, it's definitely a work in progress for sure, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not something that I'm sitting here claiming is going to be my best pitch anytime soon, but – it's something that, like, at the times that I did get to throw it, it was probably one time, and then I didn't get to throw it for another seven games or something like that. <laughs> so it was one of those pitches that we we threw out there just because either we're up 15 or something like that, or it's a pitch that a guy needs a new look on. So I'm, I'm excited to get with a group of people and get a new new perspectives on all this stuff and see what I can do with it. Yeah, on on that, so we ha- we were kind of talking about it earlier that, Colleges are using their pitchers to win games, not really developing for the pros. And you're sitting here saying you have this third pitch, you kind of switched it up, blah, blah, blah. Was there ever a combination of that as you were going through the year? Like, I'm sure I I listened to one of your interviews, um, a quick two-minute one with the local broadcast there in Tulsa about just the the process. Like, when you started figuring out, like, you're going to get drafted and when you're going to get drafted and that kind of stuff, it started being becoming a reality this year. Um, mm-hmm. Was that ever like a connection, like a combo of those two things? Like Oral Roberts needs to win. We're going to make the college world series. We're going to do work, but we also want Kate Denton to be a dog and let's add, let's work with him in that sense. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the main the main goal of a guy in college is to go out and win games. Um, I think that's the main goal of everybody, whether or not their aspirations are pro baseball or not. Um, you could ask any of these guys. You could ask any of the top ten draft prospects and any of the top ten picks, and they'd say the most important thing to them in that moment was to go out and win baseball games. Um, but yes, I mean, the, obviously preparing for the next step is a part of that process, and you can't go into it completely cold turkey. Um, so I think that was one of the reasons that we started implementing that third pitch into the arsenal a little bit towards the end of the year is not only because the comp like the competition increased and the competition becomes so much better in the college world series, but it's, it's a pitch that I need to have if I'm going to compete at the next level. Um, and yeah. uh, it was, it was just one of those little developmental steps to the, the next process of me being where I need to be to compete at the pro level. Are you excited about that developmental, like actually now being able to focus on that? Because, I mean, winning's cool and winning is fun, but right now that's not really your goal, mm -hmm. right? Like, and it's such a weird concept. We've mm -hmm. talked to many guys about this concept. Like, you want to win, you want to go out there and win for the team, but at the same time, you got to work on you and develop you. Um, are you kind of excited for that though? Like, I get a 100% go all in on your development and going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm not sure how much I can comment on it, but there's a lot of new stuff coming to the facility here um, within the next few months and the next upcoming months, especially on the pitching side of things. Um, so there's a lot that I'm excited in the pitch development side of things. Um, when it comes down to it, that's kind of the next step for a lot of these guys is cleaning up the little mechanical the mechanical quirks and obviously improving the stuff because if, I mean, if you want to compete at this level, you got to have good stuff. You got to be able to throw it for strikes too. But um, I think for me being able to have access to all these different things like the track man, the edutronic slow motion cameras, all this yeah. data, video, all that sort of stuff is I think the most exciting part for me because coming from a mid-major program, my first two years, we didn't have really anything. We had a few little pitch tracking uh, gizmos and gadgets, but this year we got introduced to TrackMan uh, at our facility and um, I utilized it to the best of my ability and it got us, uh, gave me the opportunity to go out and be the best version of me that I could at the place that I was at. Mm -hmm. um, and I think having access to the staff, having access to the technology, having access to the facilities here is something that really does excite me and excites a lot of the other guys because some, some of them didn't have access to it any of that stuff um, at the college level or even the high school level. So it's exciting. Well, and so besides Braden, cause obviously, you know, you've, you've known him for, for a bit, any of those guys already in Arizona that you've been kind of bouncing ideas off of uh, learning some things, you, you've got some really incredible talent. We think this was one of the best Rockies drafts from the, from the pitching standpoint in years. So has there been a guy you've really talked to a lot so far trying to pick something up um, or, or anything like that? I think as time goes on, I'll get a little bit more into the picking of brains. I think right now we're all kind of overwhelmed a little bit with all the all the <laughs> yeah. names, all the faces, all that stuff. But um, I've been talking with Chase Dolander a lot. Me and him, uh, Cole Kerrig, and uh, Seth Halverson all had our MRIs, did all that stuff together. So I think the first two days we were hanging out a lot with each other because everything that we did was slightly <laughs> delayed compared to everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of those guys I've been hanging around with a lot. 
Um, there's actually another guy that I forgot to mention, uh, Ben McCabe, the catcher from UCF. He was, uh, he was my catcher in summer ball in 2021 with the, uh, <laughs> Woodchucks in the Northwoods league. So that's the guy that I've thrown to before, thrown to him a few times, know him. And as soon as I saw that name come up, uh, obviously I knew I was excited to throw to him again. And that's a great kid, great catcher, great hitter, someone that I'm excited to be around. And obviously it's a guy that has a little bit of familiarity with me and, I'm excited to do anything and everything I can to get these guys' brains in the future. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. Are they the starting pitcher reliever? So, I mean, you were stopper of the year. You were voted pitcher of the year by the coaches in the Summit League. Where is this possible starting pitching thing coming from? Did, are they telling you anything? Or is, what's, what's happening with that? Um, they've kind of given me um, the option in a sense. Uh, there okay. hasn't been a deciding factor in what it is that I'm going to do at this point yet. Um, I think uh, the, the push for me to possibly start was just the, the strike throwing that I had. Um, I think I was like, I couldn't even tell you, it was high 60s in strike percentage, maybe touch 70 my sophomore year in the strike percentage category. So it's never something that I've had struggles with. And I think that was something that a lot of teams ended up seeing is like, that's a possible trait in a starter that we could run or something like that. But I'm still kind of floating the decision right now on what I, what I think is best for the, the program and best for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously what's best for me too. But like you said, I've had three successful, pretty successful years as a bullpen guy. So that's definitely a swaying factor in a lot of it too. But yeah. Um, that third pitch is going to be kind of the, the kicker on whether or not I decide to stay in the bullpen or whether or not I think I want to start. So um, I'm excited for it whenever that decision does come. But um, I'm just ready to get to work with a lot of the, the bullpens here in the coming weeks to kind of play around a little bit and see what's working, what's not, and what I can work on. Yeah, yeah I'm glad you got an open mind, but we just have to take a moment to appreciate a yeah. 125 ERA your last two seasons at Oral Roberts in 107.2 <laughs> innings, like that is pretty pretty gnarly. <laughs> so we yeah, just gotta say, it. I mean, that yeah. yeah, that speaks for itself. I think no matter what, uh, things are gonna, you know, the Rockies and and us as fans should be very excited about that. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. How did you come up with your windup? Oh goodness. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I, I came into college, uh, wind up and stretch, um, both, um, got thrown into the bullpen pretty quick. Um, I kind of had a little bit of a, an awkward stretch set position. I was really like wide, almost like a defender in basketball stance out, hands up at the head, like really <laughs> awkward. I, I was a, I was a really weird kid whenever I was pitching in high school. So I came in with that. Um, he, re- our pitching coach, Wes Davis really wanted to fix that. Um, so he Thanks, primarily coach. focused on, yeah, he primarily focused on me just going solely out of the stretch. And after we started doing that, um, it kind of met a, it metamorphosized into what it is now. But, um, a lot of it, I get preset in my back leg pretty hard. And I think that was just me being able to try and work as quick as possible to the plate because it gets you into the position that I needed to be in to mm-hmm. um, get hip drive, get the pelvic tilt, get all the – basically any position I needed to get in, I felt like I could get into it a lot easier from where I was uh, with the back knee bent and the, the front leg out just a little bit further. But it, it's evolved. 
when I first got to school because if I if I sent you guys some pictures of some video of me in high school, you would have no idea that it's the same guy that I am right now. It is completely different, and I'm sure it'll evolve from what it is right now into something maybe slightly different in the, the coming years. But um, I will say I'm, I'm glad that our coach decided to not let me pitch like that anymore. Yeah, the origin story of Kate Denton, like that's that's <laughs> that's awesome. I was I was wondering like how people get up there because like if I get on a mound, like I'm way too old to get, do anything cool on it. But it's I still I'm very traditional in it, and like I I just yeah. do what's natural. And and then as you're saying like all right, so you're kind of being coached out of your goofiness, but it's probably more natural now. And just getting into mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just fun fun to ask. Um, also talking about me right uh baseball experiences grew up in nebraska uh, went to the cws all the time it was Mm -hmm. my favorite thing every single summer i still miss it as an adult um i got roseblatt stadium seats in the backyard right now (laughs) like i i love that thing it it was always fantastic went to so many games what was it like for you and i love asking the guys that come on like what was that experience for you especially like from oral roberts like you're a mid-major coming to 20, 30, 40,000 fans for that two weeks, like crazy. Yeah. I mean, so going, coming from high school to college, never, never did I think I would be given the opportunity to play division one baseball. First of all, I came out of high school, like 83, 85, like didn't throw hard, had good. I was a good pitcher. Um, You know, I, I threw lots of strikes, did really well for our travel ball. Nope, you're back. There we go. Uh, where did where did I get cut off? Uh, travel ball, good pitcher, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So I was a good pitcher, but never was the dominant guy, top prospect that I thought I'd get a chance to play Division One baseball. I had a D three offer and a, a another D three offer in Texas, but um, you know I came into it just being like, man, it's a good baseball program. I'm excited. I got the walk on spot there. I was looking forward to just getting the opportunity to learn from a lot of these guys and watch good baseball. I mean, I didn't think in any way, shape, or form I was going to be uh, a top reliever at the end of my college career or anything like that. But getting there the first day into uh, what is it, Charles Schwab? Now, yeah, yeah. Uh, getting into Charles Schwab and just like standing in the tunnel, looking out at the outfield and seeing this just amazing stadium because we played at University of Nebraska at Omaha as a part of our conference. So we've seen the stadium from the outside, never been inside, but like, I just stood there for a little bit. And I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I sat there and I almost teared up. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's something that every kid dreams of and not every kid thinks that they're ever going to make it there, but actually getting to be there and realizing I'm about to play some of the best college baseball teams in the nation and be one of the best college baseball teams in the nation. It, it hit me hard, but pitching in front of 25,000 fans, I will say, is a little bit nerve-wracking for the first time, but it's something that I settled into um, after a little bit of a rough eighth inning against TCU, but um, it was definitely something that I'm, I'm glad I got to experience before the, the whole pro ball um, whole yeah. pro ball scene. Yeah, it seems – it definitely is going to help that transition to kind of what you're going into because you now know what, like, so to speak, the lights are like. It's Yeah. And just the whole environment of that whole tournament is insane, and let, mm-hmm. let alone playing 
especially against TCU. Like TCU has a nice little following in Omaha too. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not my favorite fan base out there, but <laughs> they, they they show up and they show out. Uh, what being in the in in the arm barn out there, the bullpen, you got to hear some the outfield chants. Those are always my favorite. Mm-hmm. What was what was some of the more memorable, more fun ones that you enjoyed, just like as a fan in yeah. aspect? I mean, there's the classic left field sucks, right field sucks yeah. chant that, that got started a few times, especially in the Florida game. Um, the afternoon games are a little bit less rowdy, but um, I will say I didn't hear too many like chirps at the bullpen or anything like that or chants or anything in the World Series just because it seemed like we were almost a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, but I will say in the Super Regional in Eugene, there was there was some there was some pretty pretty bad ones out there. You know, we played at LSU my freshman year and played at Old Miss my sophomore year. And I think I think the Super Regional at Oregon had some of the 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 gnarliest chants out of all of them. I mean, I, they were calling our left fielder a bum. They're they're talking about like his sister and all this sort of stuff. And we're sitting here and just cracking up at the bullpen because he'd turn around and looked at him and start raising his arms and asking for more. And that's that's the type of guy that he was. So. <laughs> um, Omaha was pretty pretty calm in a sense, but it's, when you get out on the mound, it was a little bit different. You hear a few people chirping at you, and yeah, I mean, as much as you want to say you don't hear the crowd, you, you hear them and you kind of laugh at it a little bit. When you're out there. <laughs> yeah, there's always always ones that's going to stand out. I, there was somebody else that was talking about Eugene the same way. I can't remember. I who think it was, was Braden Braden Ward. I was going to throw that out there. Was I it Ward? He had, he, I think, yeah, he had stuff to say against other. I think he, I think yes. uh, Oregon State was the the program. He was like, they, you know, they yeah. said some things that crossed the line a little bit. So I no, don't, they, I don't know what's going on in Oregon, but yeah, they, 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 they're pretty rowdy. I'd, I'd consider them more football fans than baseball fans, but they come <laughs> out there and they, they, they'll let you have it for sure. I mean, if <laughs> if you got one little thing messed up on your uniform, they're letting you hear hear it the whole game, you know. <laughs> Oregon, man. It's just built different out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll take up too much of your time. I want to end uh, with some fun questions, some fan questions. Um, gotcha. We put some out there. <sighs> then I have a Rockies trivia to end up, end it. Oh, so goodness. if you need to call in the reinforcements, <laughs> feel free to do that. Um, gotcha. But this one is uh, from a listener of the pod, a good guy, OG for us, uh, Skyler. What was the Northwoods League like, especially compared to Oral Roberts? So you kind of already talked about it, playing with McCabe there. Um, I'm in West Michigan, so I have Kalamazoo right mm-hmm. below me. I have the Pit Spitters right above me, Battle Creek and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, what was kind of that experience in the North Week, North Woods League like? Man, that was something that I'll never forget for sure. So I played there my summer after my freshman year and the summer going into my junior year. Um, so um, both played for the Wausau Woodchucks both times. Um, my host families were amazing. Um, that was probably the greatest part about the whole thing. Obviously, the baseball's fun, but I had an amazing host family my last year. Um, they still support me. They watch all of my games. They're going to come awesome. out to Arizona at some point uh, for spring training, and like that—that's something that I'll—a lifelong friendship that I'll never, um, never forget, and they'll always be around. But the baseball, I mean, there's some good, there's some good talent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Foster is actually one of the uh, directors of pitching here. And obviously he was the big league pitching coach for the Rockies. He lives out in Wausau. So he got to watch me play, um, got, got to watch me play out there this summer. And, uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Cause I, I, I had no clue of that whenever, until he told me, uh, after, after the draft, he was like, yeah, I live out there in Wausau. And I was like, what? That, I don't think there's more than 
more than <laughs> that many people that live there in the first place. But um, lots of baseball. I'll say that you play every day. There's 72 yep. games. I'm only out there for half a season, but um, like it's it's about as close as you can get to pro ball without being in pro ball. So mm-hmm. um, I'd say if someone's looking for the pro ball experience in college, go play up in the Northwoods League. Yeah, it's a fun league. I've I haven't gotten to one yet, but I it's on TV. It's got ESPN Plus as coverage of it now, and Absolutely. it's all over the place. It's one definitely one of the top two summer ball leagues there. Mm-hmm. Um, another one from friend of the pod, Jackie. Who are you most excited to face? Whether it's a teammate now, like are you excited to face one of your Oral Roberts teammates like down the line? Um, it's really hard to put in there, but like maybe who's like the one major leaguer that you're hoping still there that you could strike out? Oh goodness! So uh, yeah, starting off with with a former teammate, Jonah Cox uh, got drafted by the Oakland Athletics, and I'm pretty sure at some point, uh, depending on how long we're here that I think we have a game against them. I mean, I don't know if I'll be pitching in the complex or not, or if they'll send me out or what's going to go on. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's some guys, that's a guy I faced in our inner squad games in the fall and he only got better from that point on. So he was a tough <laughs> at bat then. So I can't imagine what it was like now. So it's a guy I'm excited to face, but man, I'd say if you brought me up to the big leagues right now, some I'd, I'd want to face, Mookie Betts, obviously, that's that's a guy that I, I yeah. feel like not a lot of people like would pick on that list, but I, I, I think that's one of the toughest at-bats right now in the bigs, obviously behind Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge and those guys. But like Mookie, Mookie's been a solid guy for, for quite a few years now, and that's someone that I've watched on TV in the playoffs for, forever, and that's a guy that I think would be exciting, especially being a divisional rival, to go out and face and – I mean, whether it be it's Coors or whether it be in LA, that's that's a, definitely a person that I'd want to get to at some point. Yeah, he just gets his bat on everything. I'm trying to remember who he yeah. was facing most recently that I saw. I think it was uh, Kode Senga with the Mets. Yeah. He threw a fastball. I think it was like just off the plate, and Mookie hits it opposite field for for a homer. I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like a mid-90s fastball is just getting pieced out, out to mm-hmm. right field. Um, yeah. But also, if you face Jonah Cox in the complex, would we see triple digits? Would you be that amped up? I'm, I'm blazing it right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely going to pitch him inside. That's that's the one thing I'm telling him. It's not, not in any way, shape, or form to intimidate him. But that's about the only place that you can beat the guy. And and even then, he's, it, he's almost impossible to beat there, too. So, um, he's probably one of the toughest at-bats in, in, in all of – the college games I played this season and in, in inner squads, that was probably the toughest at bat I had. And obviously his statistics said, said that, I mean, he got a hit in 60, 60 out of 62 games on the year. Yeah. I mean, almost had one of the longest hitting streaks in college baseball history. So um, that guy definitely had some good bat to ball skills and he was, he was pretty annoying to face then. So I'd, I'd be excited to face him now. Well, and then also he was drafted six spots ahead of you. So like, I think there's a little bit of headbutting there that needs to happen. Like, I should have been, I should have been, it should have been me. <laughs> I'm happy for him, man. That, yeah. that That's a pretty cool story. I mean, his dad actually played for the Rockies. I don't, Darren Cox, I believe is his name. So he was a, he was a Rocky back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I got a lot of uh, former coaches, um, friends uh dads and stuff like that who ended up playing for the rockies chew freeman was actually my high school coach way back in the day he played in the outfield for the rockies 
uh, Jonah Cox's dad. Um, Blake Adams actually is up in Spokane right now. I ended up working uh, a job yeah. with him down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the off season. So I got to talk with him for a little bit. So I've, I've made quite a few connections in this organization so far and ones that I hadn't even thought about up until this point. So um, it was definitely exciting whenever I found out on draft day that I was going to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. But the, the more full circle stuff there, like baseball, is such a big world, but then it's still, you get these little connections and it's still super mm-hmm. small in its own, in its own way. Um, all right. Rockies trivia. So you have, you have the people that you can reach out to, <laughs> but let's see if they've taught you anything. So I got three questions. Um, and you're, you're young, so I don't know how that yeah. makes it a little bit more tougher, too. So I'm going original here. Who are the Blake Street Bombers? There's four, oh, five wow. of them. I always like to get five. So give me give me as much as you possibly can. <laughs> mm. See, you're going to – this is – I know this is before my time. Yeah. And, yeah. and not – I know this is going to be a shot in the dark, but I, I'm going to throw it out there because I, I don't have any other names I can think of. That's not Piazza, is it? I don't think. No. I didn't think so. No. No. Um, Man, I, could, I couldn't even tell you. Okay, so do you know the Ro- one Rockies Hall of Famer? Well, I know a future one, Todd Helton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully next year. Yeah. Things are directing that way. Uh, Larry Walker. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yep. Larry Walker, uh, Dante Bichette. Okay, Bo Bichette's down. Yep, yep, uh, yep. Andre Scalaraga, big okay. cat. Um, mm-hmm. You'll probably get to meet this guy, Vinny Castilla. He's yep. he's up there. Uh, he's probably in Denver right now. And then uh, Ellis Burks is the fifth okay. one. That's that's one that okay. I've heard I heard the first ones. Uh, Ellis Burks is a is a new name to me for sure. Okay, there you go. So keep that in your back pocket if you're. I will. I don't know, <laughs> doing something with the other guys there. Um, we'll do. So you're not going to know this one, so I'm not going to ask it. Who hit? That's uh, mean. Yeah, come on. I don't know. I, <laughs> none of us know that. <laughs> you okay? So another nugget to add out there: Eric Young, uh, senior, is the first person to hit a home run at Coors Field. Okay, I actually did watch that highlight. Okay. Um, I remember I remember finding that highlight whenever I was doing just all sorts of rocky stuff a few days after the draft and I was looking <laughs> back to the, the opening opening day game at Coors Field and yep. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So you got that one there. And then you're a pitcher, so this one hopefully in your wheelhouse. Who's the only Colorado pitcher to throw a no no in Rockies history? Oh, you, oh my gosh. The pressure, the lights, they're getting to me right now. <laughs> Actually I know the answer to this one. You're gonna oh. feel silly when I say it. Was it a lefty? Yeah. Wait, was no. he a lefty? No. No. Yeah, he was not. No, he no. wasn't lefty. No. In my head, for some reason, the goofy the Jamie wind Jamie up. Moyer was popping up, wind though, up, but it's not Jamie Moyer. <laughs> goofy wind up. Forty-three-year-old Jamie Moyer for the Rockies was not doing it. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. I mean, that he ended that up going be the craziest story I heard about him though. <laughs> no. Man. You want it? You got to keep thinking. Give me, give me, give me a number. Oh, the the jersey. I don't even know his number. Let's see. We'll get Mike on that. Oh, is it? Um, I can't think of a number. Oh goodness, it's a weird name, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, is one it, of a is it name. Jimenez. Yeah. Yep. 
There you go. Okay. Ubaldo we'll count it. Yeah. Ubaldo Jimenez. Yes. Yeah. Got to keep the that in there. The goofy windup yeah. helped me out a little bit. Yeah. No, that's like, that's respectable because I feel like non-Rockies fans, he was he's a name that gets lost in the shuffle. Oh, it's one of those people. Yeah. Your age. Like we're we're about the same age. He's the guy. The only reason I knew him is because I you know grew up in Denver. So otherwise, yeah. kind of a kind of one that's out there a little bit. I will I will give you another little tidbit of information. So Trevor Story actually played I, former Rocky, but he actually played for the same travel organization that me and Braden both played for. So growing up, uh, I I watched the Rockies because honestly, this is bad to say, but solely because of Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado and all those guys. Because oh yeah. I mean, Carlos Gonzalez, Todd Helton was a Tennessee grad. My mom was a Tennessee fan. So he's been walking around the facility here and got to hear his uh, his speech, his speeches and stuff like that to some of the guys. So um, a few of those guys I watched because um, I was fans of them and, and in turn watched the Rockies. But there's not too much experience in the whole, the whole Rockies organization <laughs> in my mind. No, that's fair. Uh, do you know the one Rocky who went to Oral Roberts? Uh, would it be Ryan Fulmer? No, 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 no. Oh, no, he didn't go to ORU. He he actually he got drafted out of Oklahoma State. He was our head coach for ORU. He got drafted out of Oklahoma State by the uh, the Rockies, I believe. I did not know oh. that. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Here, double You're check saying- me on double check me on the the Ryan Fulmer thing, but I'm pretty sure he ended up with the Rockies for a small amount. Not not the big leagues, but when how do you he's gonna kill me. he's gonna F O L M A R. He's gonna kill me if I get this wrong. Before I, playing yeah. professionally in the Colorado Rockies organization from ninety seven to ninety eight. Okay. So I, I was I was I'm glad I was right about that. He would have killed me if I wasn't <laughs> oh, I, guess, he was actually, I guess he was drafted yeah. by the California Angels before the El- yeah. Anaheim Angels became mm. Anaheim Angels. So he, he was he ended up playing with them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, played rookie no, ball. I would say I would say though that the the Rockies' knowledge there is not not bad at all. And, you know, not bad. I know I know Chi pretty well simply because our bullpen is the Chi Chi Gonzalez bullpen and that's that's somebody <laughs> that uh yeah he donated our bullpen to the to the Oral roberts uh university baseball team so that that's a guy that you definitely have to keep the name in the in the old noggin whenever whenever i see him one day yeah that's, how that's could you fun. ever forget how could you ever forget yeah. such a name <laughs> yeah that's a great name it, it is a first round name for sure <laughs> Love that. Uh, Cade, this was fun. I appreciate you popping on and just spending some time in your busy week and just welcome to the organization. Uh, just thank you for popping on to here and letting us share your little bit of story. And you're one of our guys now. So we'll do all the uh, the p- promoting and the, the <laughs> gatekeeping for you as much as we can here on out. But just thanks, man. Well, absolutely, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, I like I said, I'm just excited to be a part of the organization and contribute my my small part my small part to the uh, to the whole system and can't wait to one day be up at the bigs if it, if uh, everything works out the way I I hope it does so yeah for sure yeah, we're watching we're supporting go kill it and yeah, and absolutely. yeah enjoy this time this has got to be you know some unforgettable stuff so yeah. you know enjoy it absolutely all right take care man thank you absolutely yeah, thank go you, rocks. Dad. Go rocks.
That was uh, Cade Denton. That was sweet. There we go. Yeah, that was fun. Um, so I think we should just end it right there, man. We're right an hour yeah, and 15 minutes in. Let's not even do minor, minor league ball. No, nah, it's pretty funny yet to get to this point and be like, yeah. oh, that was a – felt like a, a marathon run there. Only an hour and so, 15. We've had some yeah. regular pods go that length. So, yeah. Know. So all college pods, you're, you're welcome, uh, so to speak. Went through all the names and gave you some some uh, inside information information there with Cade there. So as always, go Rocks. Recent draft class. Woo!